I'd love to hear more more stories of Griffin's showbiz at life, you know. But <laughs> oh, so many stories. I'm I mean, I'm like Robert Evans. It's an endless well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one of the things that got a lot of requests for on Twitter. But I, I I don't know the degree to which Griffin feels comfortable sharing a lot of that stuff. So that's up to you. Him. Can ask him. He's right there. I, I mean, um, yeah, you can test well, me. I feel like there's my... very little I'm not comfortable talking about. What was it like when you and Allie McGraw split up? Mm-hmm. Rough. <laughs> Real rough. Okay. I mean, because you have to remember, like, we're coming off of a big hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I know I was just making a joke about it, but for context, I was in a thruple with Robert Evans and <laughs> Allie McGraw. Yeah. Evans <laughs> and I both produced Love Story. Yeah. So it was just like all like every angle, and I I broke up with both of them at the same time because they oh, broke up really? later, but they first broke up with me and vice. But you versa. also left them for oh, Steve so McQueen. Oh, so you inspired right? their breakup? Yeah. Well, because it was originally me and Allie, and then we were like, yeah. we should find a third, and then she was like, what about the most powerful person at Paramount? <laughs> and I was okay. like, yeah, that seems like that could help both of us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there that that'll fix the power dynamic, right? Right, and then yeah, no, she she found him a little more valuable than me in every sense. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you got the last laugh on her. <laughs> <laughs> in this made up scenario. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Um. Uh, were were there actual questions? Yeah. Do you want? I I feel like I should uh give I'm you. I'm done a to test. Well, I'll here. say I'll say pass if I can't answer. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I feel like yeah, I shouldn't answer. I'll I'll say pass too. Yeah, don't don't ask me about uh, families of the mafia. I'm not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> I might pass on anything. Do you think? Uh, do you think doing uh, the first edition of your one man show about Watto is what caused the lockdown? Because they wanted that to be the only the Illuminati wanted that to be the only performance. I will say this: I I do feel very weird about the fact that there were five days, six maybe less than a week between when I did the first and probably only performance of my one-man Watto show, and when the UCB New York closed down maybe forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like a very short period of time between the two. So this um, is going to be one of those shows like Moose Murders or something where people are like, oh, yeah, I was there, when they weren't really there, but they want to be right. part of that history. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. In the neighborhood I'm, I live in, it's mm-hmm. everybody claims to have gotten the very last steak from uh, Denny's Steak Pub, which is a dive <laughs> yeah. bar. And it's like, dude, I've, talk, I've talked to like 10 guys who've had the last steak it's at impossible. Denny's. They didn't have that much seating. You couldn't mm-hmm. even have been parallel with someone having the last yeah, you, steak. You weren't all sharing one steak. <laughs> right. Um, my Watto thing, it's weird. I mean, I, I've talked about this, but like Blank Check started out as a podcast solely about the Phantom Menace. That was the idea that David Sims and I had. And then that evolved into a podcast where we covered all the Star Wars movies, which then we retrofitted into, oh, that ended up being more about George Lucas. Let's pick different directors and go through all their movies in that way. Um, and Watto was just the the character that I was innately drawn to when The Phantom Menace came out. He was, like, far and away my favorite character. He was the character I bought merchandise of. And watching the film, like, through vaguely adult eyes, recognizing now in a way I did when I was a child how anti-Semitic that character is, 
I wonder if the reason I connected to that character so strongly is because he reminded me of a relative. Like, he felt like an elderly relative. I think that would have been my guess, is that you... You connected to him because you saw the you saw the similarities. I and think you didn't so. Know that it was that it was so way over the top, and that it wasn't right. created by people who were of that same type. So totally, I, I yeah. it was like totally right. So then we started rewatching the movie for the podcast. And it started hitting really hard, and I started doing this Watto impression all the time on the podcast. And then I have a buddy Connor Ratliff, who for my money is the best improviser in New York City started doing this uh, show called the George Lucas Talk Show where he would do an hour long talk show where he would interview people as themselves, as serious guests, uh, people who had projects to promote, but he would do the whole thing in character as George Lucas. And the bit was uh, George Lucas is the least charismatic man of all time trying his hardest to succeed in a format that is based solely on personality. (laughs) Um, And he had a guy named Sean Diston who was Jar Jar Binks as a sidekick for a number of years. Um, And then Sean Diston moved to L.A., so I asked, can I start doing Watto as your sidekick? Uh, Which over a period of time, I I did Watto for like three years. Now we wonder if we'll ever do the show ever again. But uh, it culminated me doing a one-man show as Watto, pretending like I was doing uh, Watto's Las Vegas cabaret review. So I rewrote like seven songs with Star Wars specifics and did Broadway standards in Watto's voice. <laughs> and that is apparently the thing that ended all live comedy. It, it just everything shut down right after that yeah. show. I think that was that it, it, it had reached a certain level of uh, ironic singularity. And, yes, and I think God was like, okay. They have had enough comedy. It is time for right. a catastrophe right. to overwhelm everybody's lives. Yeah. Yes. So that's my relationship with Watto and how uh, not to be self-aggrandizing, but it might have ended all comedy forever. Yeah. It's, it was like the like a cosmic uh, tragedy and comedy mask pairing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. It ended with Watto crying and chugging a beer on stage. <laughs> 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 Nothing was left to be said in the medium of comedy. Do you guys have any Watto memories? Oh boy! Uh... I remember as soon as uh, a friend of mine really wanted to play the most recent iteration of the Star Wars role playing game, and he's like, mm. "What kind?" Of, he's like, "What character do you want to play?" I'm like, "I want to be a Watto." He's like, "They have a they have a name." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I guess I'll be a Toy Darian then." I like that you're you're being casually racist about a racist caricature alien. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those Watto types. Controls the media. I think growing up in the Midwest, I just did not have enough uh, contact with like Jewish people in my life as as yeah. uh, living so you- living amongst the Gentiles. Like I didn't realize to what degree that was a stereotype. Like I, I was very disturbed by the um, the traders at the beginning. Who are mm-hmm. so clearly uh, Asians? Uh, who yes, are, like uh, the, plotting the, the Nemoidians you speak of. Yeah. Yes, and that was like those were people that I were familiar with. <laughs> but yeah, and you, but you were like you're like I love this totally fictional, like bizarre, hypothetical, mm-hmm. like pushy, greedy, hook nosed character <laughs> who always has like a stubbly beard all yeah. the time and lives in a desert. What incredible like, I, creation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were just like, George, leave it to George Lucas, master monster maker. Mm-hmm. Right. George Lucas. <laughs> but to, to imagine but such like, a far no. out thing. <laughs> but it's a good point too. I think there were two things that was connecting to me 
like connecting for me. One is the the Jewish uh, anti-Semitism that I was registering as, oh, what what a comfortable character type that I love. <laughs> <laughs> and then two, that Watto is like one of the only characters who feels like a city dweller. Like I was like a New York City mm-hmm. Jew. And here's this yeah. guy like haggling prices who seems a little bit exhausted, you know, like hasn't <laughs> shaved. And I'm like, I get this. Like this guy is like, I talk to this guy four or five times a day. Oh, yeah. He is noticeably shorter than every other character, including the child. Yes. Right. Yeah. Everything about him. Right. Because I feel like most kids were connecting to Anakin. I was like, this Watto guy, mm-hmm. I'm in safe hands here. I feel like with this, this slave owner. They establish rules right away. They explain Jedi mind tricks don't work on him. That's no, incredible. Mind tricks don't work yeah. on him. I thought the scene where he, he took that Rodian child and drained its blood and then made matzah out of it was a bit much. <laughs> it was a bit much. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So I, I was, I think I'm, I'm a little older than you, Griffin. And these mm-hmm. guys, the other two guys are much older than you. I'm just a little older than you. So I was, so I was old enough when I saw it that I was, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is not okay. Like this is, yeah. but there was still part of me that uh, was was like, but all right, it's Star Wars. I'm a, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this sure, is maybe sure. this is okay because it's Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, you're like you're saying representation matters, right? Is what <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, that's I was saying. Finally, finally, a Jewish person, <laughs> a Jewish character in the Star Wars universe. I, my prayers were answered. I was so busy uh, trying to uh, force in my imagination Peter Parker to be a Jewish character when right, you know, right. reality has resisted that. And it was years from when people were like, okay, let's just admit that Thing is Jewish. And yeah. he's, he's the Jewish member of the Fantastic Four. So, you know, who did I have? to? Who did I have? Portnoy? Was that the yeah. only fictional character I could call my own, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it was Watto. We, we were taking what we could get at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It yeah. was either, we could either have Watto or we could have a parade of kind of like, or we, it was Woody Allen or Watto. Those were the two choices, <laughs> you know. <laughs> which, and it's a real devil's and it's, bargain. It's a real coin flip on, on terms yeah. of which one is a worse role model. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Dan, if Watto isn't your favorite character, what ca- character did you connect with most in The Phantom Menace? <laughs> yeah, who Phantom did you relate Menace? to? Of all the yeah. audience surrogates in The Phantom Menace, which one really felt fully developed, personable? <laughs> Uh, Are you gonna say Kira Knightley is one of the the, the stand-ins? For oh, Sabe. Yeah, I think you're Royal probably decoy gonna... Sabe. I could see I could see uh, Qui Gon being your guy, Dan. He's kind of like mm, yes. you know he's 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 just a guy people look to for answers. He doesn't necessarily have them, but <laughs> uh, you know, and he's just kind of got not much other going on for him personality wise. But bearded. He's uh, trying I think to keep he has a quiet and, gravity. Yeah. he has a Qui Gon gravity. <laughs> Yeah, he admits of a gravity force around him. <laughs> well, the, there was a one of the things that that I did not like about a uh, to be unnamed uh, internet video about the Phantom Menace, where I thought they, you know, it was all about criticizing it, and this was one criticism I thought was not fair, was they mm. were like describe the Star Wars characters from the old movies with you know right off the top of your head, and then describe the new ones off the top of your head. And people couldn't do it. It was like, well, yeah, because how many times you've seen the new movie? Like once? Come on. Like, yeah, yeah. And well, they couldn't like describe those... Qui Gon, but it was like, okay, Qui Gon. He's di- he's a he's a dignified kind of honorable Jedi, and he doesn't yeah. joke around. But they couldn't do it. It was like, so this, could this character be all characters? I don't understand. Is he like a Harlem detective, but he's also like a court jester from the 15th century? Like, yes, you can describe him a little bit, you know. 
No, to- Qui-Gon in particular, you can definitely describe. Like, that's the character that tracks the cleanest throughout the movie and the performance yeah. works. Not to touch the um, the third rail of the internet, but that's uh-huh. one of those things where, like, I feel... Uh, I would hear people complain about the Laura Dern character in The Last Jedi and say, like, I mean, uh-huh. how? Wh- why are we supposed to just accept that this character is, like, an admiral? Like, we don't know her. We know nothing <laughs> about her. And I'm like, you know nothing about Admiral Akbar. The difference is you've, you've known nothing about him your entire life. So he feels like he's earned that position because you have taken him as a given. You don't, you don't know his fucking credentials. Every Star Wars movie is about introducing a load of top rebel brass that you've never heard right. of before. And you're, I guess, okay, General Dodonna. You just okay, accept great. it. Right, this exactly. dude? All right, okay. I've been following the farm boy and the pirate and the princess all this yeah. time, but I'm sure there's this general. Okay, like, yeah. Like, is Mon her first name? Or is that like <laughs> right. a... Right, is that a name or is it a title? But, like, for people to cross their arms and go like, well, I mean, this woman has done nothing to prove to me that she's worthy of that title. It's like, she came on screen two minutes ago. <laughs> And also the you fact know that nothing. she's the fact she's played by Laura Dern, like she already carries yeah, all the gravity and authority enough. that right. you need. Exactly. You know? Yeah, look at that oh. neck. I mean, I loved I loved in that movie how right she was and how wrong Poe was. Like yeah. the, I, I, like that that they that the whole point of the movie was like, no, Poe, we have a hierarchy in the military for a reason. Like you can't just free boot around, moron. Like that made me very happy. Yeah, I wonder so. I wonder if that's why people don't like the character. It's almost like there's something that they're not interrogating in terms of their automatic response to a woman telling a man <laughs> that he needs uh, to listen to her. I think that's unlikely. <laughs> really? I don't know. I mean, more likely they just didn't like the color of her hair. Uh, but what a good color. I mean, that's just a bad opinion. Oh, no, no, so, sure. So, so just to jump back a little bit, of course, the character I connected most with, you'd think I'd say Chancellor Valorum because he's got a quiet <laughs> dignity and he's resigned to losing. I think no, I know who you're going to say. Boss Nass, baby. <laughs> Boss, Boss Nass. Nass. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Boss um, is a great guy. What's the Jedi with the big tall head? <laughs> oh, oh, Ki-Adi Mundi? Yeah, I, I thought wish. you were going to say Ki-Adi yeah. Mundi. <laughs> no, he's my favorite character. <laughs> but you, you, right, you wish. But Boss yeah, Nass was w- the character w- that spoke to you. Yeah, I would like that's the thing is when I growing up as, you know, uh, a tall, heavy set, handsome white guy from the Midwest, I was <laughs> like, if only I could be a Kiati Mundi type. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, guys, I think we finally did it. Four four guys on the Internet talked about Star Wars. So that finally it, it was oh, never wow. it never happened before and it'll never happen again. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I did, uh, for a long time, the only thing anyone would hire me to do as an actor was play some type of computer expert. Uh, (laughs) It was was either that or personal assistant. And very often (laughs) the two would sort of cross over. Uh, they were very similar, but, um, I did two episodes on, uh, Blue Bloods, 
uh, <laughs> where they were oh, testing cool. out whether they wanted like a computer nerd character mm. that I think uh, went out the window once Donnie Wahlberg decided uh, he didn't like me because <laughs> he would like <laughs> on set be like, why why we hire this kid? I, I don't get it. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Thank you very much, Mr. Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> did but, he at least uh, give you a card for Lifetime Wahlbergers? He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was just a, a key to the uh, dumpster behind any Wahlberger location. Um, I mean, that's that's they're, they do, wow, they like, yeah they lock it up. They lock it up. But they don't want raccoons getting in there. So I mean, you're better than a raccoon. But they also have a skeleton a key scene. for everyone. Yeah, it's one. There was a scene I had to do where I had found the like smoking gun or some important piece of evidence about a missing person through their social media profile. And the line I had to say was, okay, so I located her social gizmo profile. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do as an actor because just every time it bumped coming out of my mouth being like, why would anyone ever sign up for a fucking website called Social Gizmo? There is just no universe, no matter how fantastical, in which that acquires enough of a user base that the NYPD would be using it for evidence. Like, impossible. The only way I can imagine is if there was a different timeline for technology and social sure. media existed when gremlins came out. And piggybacking <laughs> on everyone's love of Gizmo, they created this thing where it's like you get to pretend to be Gizmo's friend. Because right, who wouldn't want to be Gizmo's Gizmo. friend as long yeah. as you follow the three rules of Gizmo? Uh -huh. One, don't feed him after midnight. Two, do not get him drunk. Three, Absolutely don't not. mention his ex-wife. He's a, <laughs> but and it's like why? But otherwise, why wouldn't you want to be friends with him? So that's the only reality I can imagine where that's successful. Social Gizmo sounds like a branded Gremlins Tamagotchi knockoff. Like that's what it sounds <laughs> no. like. It doesn't yeah. sound like a Facebook equivalent, which was what yeah. they were asking me to sell. Now, did you work with Tom Selleck? Which I asked because even though my Dad is a uh, you know a, a college professor like lefty uh, guy, and Tom Selleck is a noted like National Review uh, pitchman. National, uh, National, National Rifle Association, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that too, but like he also oh, all of it. he does he, for the National he, Review. Yeah, yeah, he would do yeah. like ads oh, wow. for them all the time. But oh, like, I didn't know that. And National right. Lampoon, he likes anything <laughs> national. Anything national. <laughs> National Broadcasting yeah. Corporation loves mm -hmm. it, which National is why he's on CBS. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad loved Magnum PI. That was his hero. Yeah. So uh, I'm just I'm just curious. I I feel a certain... I no I never I never got to work with him. The the that show is kind of ingeniously like four plot lines that almost never intersect because so it's, the it's anti Seinfeld. Like, right. It's like the four different members of this family who each work on a different side of New York City law enforcement, and then. Uh -huh. Uh, they the only thing that unifies them is like family dinners. Uh, so I was only in the Wahlberg uh, Jennifer Esposito section. It's too oh, bad cool. you didn't get if you didn't get along better with Wahlberg, then you could have been on longer, become a friend of the family on the show, and get invited to one of those dinners, and then I meet know, Tom Selleck, and you know, and you'd be like, what was it like being Mr. Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm so glad we were able to answer so many of those questions and prompts that yeah. people wrote in. I really feel like we got a lot done and covered a wide breadth in this little oh, minute. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. people. No one. We, we. There's no questions left, right, Dan? I mean, well, most of them from, were about mustaches, so we did it. From, oh, okay. From the ones you hand curated from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why. 
uh, why like I'm I'm getting so much hassling where it's just like you're like oh you can put the call out on Twitter I'm like great uh I figured we were like sort of talk about it beforehand but we just like rolled right into the episode and did yeah, it in the most slapdash way possible yeah the yeah. flop house way yeah sometimes podcasting's like jazz man you know yeah. you just gotta go mm-hmm. with the flow. Mm-hmm. And and the people who listen to it won't stop talking about it to other people who are not interested. And go no, no, but look, I really understand this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's just like jazz, where it's like, look, you're gonna love this song, but first you got to listen to seventy years of other music to get to it. Yeah. It's not so, about the jokes they're making; it's about the jokes they don't make. <laughs> so do we? Do we? We, do we never did a intro. Do we do a sign off on these? Uh, What's going on, Dan? Yeah, Dan, I don't think we ever even mentioned that Griffin was joining us. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, hi, uh, Griffin, uh, Griffin Newman of the Blank Check <laughs> Podcast, everyone. Um, so <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, I was reminded it would be a good idea. Hey, that um, Cinephile live stream we did for charity, uh, if you didn't see it live, it's on the Film Stage uh, Facebook page. And if you donate to the charity that they keep putting up on the screen during it, Art House America, that helps uh, independent theaters during this economic uh, crisis along with a health crisis, um, that, uh, that if you donate to it and, you know, just give them some proof that you donated, uh, I think they explain it during the cast, uh, you will be entered in for a prize pack that includes Flophouse stuff, if you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, because I don't think we ever got a chance to promote it on air, so it's archived over at the Film Stage Facebook. Sorry to hijack at the end, but I think that's a good thing to remind folks of cool um but anyway thank you griffin for coming back to oh, my talk pleasure. about <laughs> a variety of nerd things um uh this has been great uh guys great to see folks again and uh for the flop house i've been dan mccoy i'm still Stuart wellington i'm elliot kalen didn't mention my name at the top but i'm mentioning it now and i'm griffin newman see you guys bye bye MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported